and welcome to Bubblesoria, a mental health podcast for high school students with a wide range of topics ranging from friendships to family and school issues. Hosted by a high school student, we aim to inform peers and adults of critical mental health issues and provide practical strategies to promote mental health. Bubblesoria is also a safe space for you to share personal stories and build community support. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, so if you need further mental health assistance and treatment or if you have any mental health symptoms while listening, I encourage you to reach out to a counselor, your advisor, or someone that you trust in your community. Without further ado, let's get started for the third episode of Bubblesoria. Hi, my name is Vivian and I'm your host today. Today's topic focuses on perfectionism and self-induced pressure. And I invited our guest speaker, Dr. Lisa DeMore with me today. Dr. DeMore is a clinical psychologist and also a New York Times bestseller author, featuring two books, Untangled and Under Pressure, Engaging Guide for Parents of Teenage Girls and Stressing Girls from Elementary School Through College. Dr. Demore, could you please introduce yourself a little bit, like your career and specialty, et cetera? Sure. So like you mentioned, I'm a psychologist, and the main focus of my work is teenagers. Um, in the last couple of years, 10 years, I've written a couple books about girls, but I actually take care of boys, too. And what I hear all the time is the books that I write, 80% of them applies to boys. And I also write often for the New York Times about teenagers, and that's all co-ed. And I have a podcast myself called Ask Lisa. Um, the Psychology of Parenting, where uh, my co-host Rena and I and I um, answer questions about kids of all genders. Great. Thank you so much. So today, as I already mentioned, we're going to talk about and discuss perfectionism and self-induced pressure, especially among high school students. So I have a list of questions and we can just go over like different topics such as how do we define perfectionism? I know there's different categories and types of perfectionism. Why do we pursue that route? Like what triggers it? Is there a specific event or long-term influence from the environment, from family, etc.? How can perfectionism help us to build self-motivation? Or is there something called a healthy perfectionism? or when, it, when, when does it become a problem and how do we cope with it? So why, why, why not just start with, you know, how do we define perfectionism? What is perfectionism from so your, guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess I would define it as, you know, continuing to work on a product, like a work product, um, until you feel that there's no flaws left, that it's as good as it can possibly be. Um, and of course, you know, even as you define it, you can see the challenges with it because you think, well, you can always do more. There's always something more that can be done. So certainly on work products, it's a setup, right, to be perfectionistic. I think the other way we could think about it, and this is probably a much um, more straightforward definition, is to get into the emotional components of it, which is a sense mm-hmm. of feeling worthless unless one has achieved what feels like perfection. And so, you know, on, on tests, that could be something like 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Or on um, a transcript, that could be like all A's or all A pluses. And so I think it's probably less about the 100% and more about the sense that anything short of that is disappointing and gets 
I think in people who really suffer from perfectionism kind of quickly, you know, kind of spreads into a broader sense of feeling worthless overall. And that's where things really become pretty concerning. Yeah, definitely. I know for <clears throat> perfectionists, even if they get like a 95 on the test, maybe next time they want to get a 97 or 98, like there's always this ongoing like impossible kind of standard yeah. to just reach to do better kind of that sense yeah mm -hmm. and that there's a, never a sense of good enough yeah so would you describe perfectionism as like are there different categories of perfectionism is there like a healthy perfectionism that helps us to motivate ourselves or is perfectionism always just impossible standards for oneself to reach is it always a problem no, I don't think it is. I think you're onto something with the idea of a healthy perfectionism. I think mm -hmm. that when we really care about the work, when it's something we're really invested in, when it's something that means a great deal to us, um, there's something wonderful about refining and refining and refining something to its highest form that you can bring it to. You know, whether it's a writer, you know, really spending time on a poem or an mm -hmm. artist really doing that. Or like, you know, I mean, if you're, if you have a surgeon, you would like to have a very perfectionistic surgeon, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot to be said for people taking very, very seriously that there are times, and I think this is really where, you know, you see the dividing line between healthy and unhealthy perfectionism, mm -hmm. that there are times when it's appropriate to um, give everything 100% and try to polish it to the highest possible shine. What happens when perfectionism goes off the rails is that there's no distinction made between when that's necessary and when that's not really necessary. Mm -hmm. So, so I definitely agree that there is kind of like a healthy one and a more extreme one. But how would you like, how would a person kind of find himself or herself into this kind of spectrum? Like, how do we balance between having more self-motivation and making it look good versus, you know, perfectionism is kind of restraining me to reach my full potential? Well, I think one way to strike the right balance, and, and I like to think about this way, is, you know, if you look at this a week of school, right, and a week of schoolwork, you basically have one tank of gas to get you through that week. And so then the question is, do you want to floor it on every single thing to put in front of you? Mm -hmm. And if you do, you're going to run out of gas and you're just going to be completely wiped out by the end of the week and mm -hmm. you're going to be on fumes, so as you say, trying to get through what's left. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to be really tactical and think, okay, I either love this work or I need a high grade in this class to maintain my grade, so I'm going to give that a ton of energy. And then this other stuff, like I'm doing really well in the class or I don't care about the class, Mm -hmm. I'm going to coast, right? And I think if we if we move it away from value judgments about how much, you know, like one's work ethic, I think there's often a lot of kind of, you know, an underlying value judgment, like if you're not perfectionist, if you're lazy, right? Like that's not true. If we move away from that and think about it entirely in terms of the efficient and smart use of a limited amount of energy that we all have, then you, I think you start to have a much more, like, you know, smarter conversation about perfectionism.
Mm -hmm. So kind of finding different priorities on the task that you're facing right now and splitting up your energy into like different Mm -hmm. assignments and projects that you're working on instead of like saying, I need to like get, I need to go all out for all the things I'm doing right now. It's just really, you know, eventually people are going to burn out and don't find themselves can't handle everything at the same time. Absolutely. And I have a teenage daughter and one of the terms I've really worked hard to use in front of her is what I call the cycle of neglect. Mm -hmm. That there are things that get neglected because they're not the priority in the moment. And that just to think about those things operating in a cycle. So if you're working on this really hard, you can't work on other things really hard. And what you want to do is you want to have the right cycle of neglect. (laughs) You neglecting the things that you can afford to neglect and you're paying attention to the things you have to pay attention to but I've been very deliberate in that language with her to try to totally normalize the idea that like I fully expect and hope she's neglecting some things because she cannot pay equal attention to everything all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I would say myself is also kind of a perfectionist sometimes when I know that I'm for like for example for an essay I know I already did pretty well but I just feel like there's always some room for me to get to improve to get even better I'm not just I'm not just like comparing myself to other people but sometimes I'm just comparing myself to myself you know so sometimes you know perfectionist thinks that isn't it good for us to always want to improve like why do people refer perfectionism as sometimes more like a negative thing you know like perfectionists are always depressed they, they're always they always have anxiety but from you know from our point of view sometimes we think why why isn't this a good thing like we get self-motivation from this we're trying to constantly make ourselves better so how do we like face with this kind of outside voice of people thinking about perfectionism and how to deal with that I think it's a great question. So I'm 100% with you. I think there's really a time and place for looking at something and saying, you know, the teacher may be happy with this, or I'm going to get an A on this, but actually there's more I want to do, and there's more I can do, and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think what matters, though, is what's behind that, right? So what I would want to be behind that is exactly what you described. Like, there's actually, like, a sense of pleasure and pride Mm -hmm. in taking something a step further. Mm -hmm. There's also, that's how we get up. Right? We get better when we push ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's the only way we get better. And yeah. so it can also be the sense of like, look, this may cut it in the teacher's book, but I'm still, I got room to grow, and I'm going to grow into it, and I'm doing it for myself and no one else. All that's good. Where it starts to fall apart is, I'm going to do it for self, myself and no one else, and you know, it's not about the grade, it's not about what anybody's asking of me, and I'm going to also not get any sleep tonight because I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where usually it goes off the rails, is that you know, it can undermine, you know, basic self-care. So I, mm-hmm. I have no problem with refining something to a high shine, either because you want to or you have to. I want to know that that same person is not neglecting themselves to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because we have, you know, enough, not enough, we have, like, limited time and um, energy that one can have. So when you want to just do really well on a certain thing, like you have to there's got to be some sacrifice that you made it can be you know not getting enough sleep it can be sacrificing your social life or stop 
talking to other people or just sitting in your room all the day and trying to get things done so there's always like kind of like a different side when you're achieving what you want to do so yeah but it's sitting in that tension right like what's mm-hmm. the cost and is it a cost that's worth it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so what do you think triggers perfectionism is it just something about one's personality or is it triggered by a specific like event in childhood or just your overall environment or family pressure or is it peer pressure like what do you think how do people become a perfectionist there's probably a lot of routes to it so one could be having highly critical parents right mm-hmm. <laughs> you just like you know like you just know like you can hear their voice in your head um and so the perfectionism becomes self-protective right like i'm going to try to anticipate all the criticisms and address them you know mm-hmm. so that's one way another way is the kid could just be anxious on their own time right and mm-hmm. feel like nothing i do is good enough so i'm gonna you know try to put it turn in a product that is you know over the top excellent and then what can happen is however it starts, what often happens is it gets very powerfully reinforced. Though when kids turn in gorgeous work products, adults are very happy and will give them grades that feel good and will tell them how good their work is and tell them how much they look forward to looking at their work, which of course feels great for the kid. And so then you're kind of off to the races because however it got started, it's now being cheered along often Mm -hmm. you know it's it's, it can quickly become its own slippery slope definitely so for a lot of times when when you become a perfectionist when you start enjoying like the pride and the happiness you get from overachieving then it's really hard to you know stop being a perfectionist because when you stop getting this source of pride and um when people stop telling you that, oh, you're doing great, you're such a hard worker, like, when, when you just stop wanting to be a perfectionist, you just stop this source of happiness, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think the key thing is, you don't do it about everything, right? You start to taper down where you want your efforts to be. And this is one of the nicest things about getting out of high school and getting into college or getting into your professional life is that, you start to have some, you know, much more say about what you care about and how you spend your time. Mm-hmm. Okay, you care, you know, how you spend your time. And it's funny though. I'm very careful in my work. I work very, very hard. I don't know if I'm a perfectionist or not, but I, you know, I'm a very hard worker who turns very good work products, and I've gotten a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, happy feedback about that. And you know, it's I've also ended up having a very nice career as a result of that mm-hmm. because I turning really good work products so there's a lot you know there's like a lot to be said for it but I caught myself a couple years ago I my books come out in all sorts of languages and I was doing an interview for a Polish writing out answers to an interview for a Polish magazine when the Polish edition of one of my books was coming out and I found myself like really you know like um, spending a huge amount of time trying to choose the right word for something and then I was like lady they're gonna translate this like like you'll never see this and you'll never know how they translated it like <laughs> just put in a word you know and i had to catch myself from that kind of default position of trying to do everything 
to my best. And, and so I think that's the challenge is it's good to build up all that muscle of being able to work really hard and really well. But once you've got all that muscle, you then need to be, I think, more discriminating about when you need to bring it and when you can actually just come up with a word that's good enough, assuming that whatever they translate to in Polish will be good enough also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you gotta like sometimes tell yourself before you're doing a work like oh this is what I want to achieve so when you actually achieve it you actually like be happy instead of just saying no matter what the end result is going to be I always just want more because and that way you will never satisfy your yourself absolutely I think that's a perfect way to describe it Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect way to describe it and then here's what I want to achieve and here's why You know, mm-hmm. I want to achieve this because I care, or I want to achieve this because, you know, if I don't really do really well in this test, I'm not going to get the grade I want, and I want the grade. You know, I mean, like, there can be any variety of reasons, but it shouldn't be exactly what you described, which is just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why do you think, um, well, a lot of people described, you know, professionals as depressed and having anxiety? Uh-huh. So, why do you think that, I mean, a lot of professionals are probably depressed, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm not a psychologist, but how do you think professionals can deal with that kind of depression, and why do people generally get depression from being a perfectionist? Well, I think there's, again, like, there's probably multiple routes. So one is, or routes to it, one is, like, if you're depressed, if you're perfectionistic, you may not actually be getting enough sleep and you may be anxious a lot. And mm-hmm. if you're anxious a lot and not getting enough sleep, you're going to start to feel pretty unglued, right? And it can start to look like a mood disorder. Like there's mm-hmm. no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also people who are so perfectionistic that they can't turn in their work. You know, and that's not always a kind we're so aware of, but like they actually don't meet deadlines and they don't create things because they can't let it go. Mm-hmm. And so then, they get into this terrible corner of like caring a huge amount about the outcome and actually having quite terrible outcomes. And so, because they're not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. And so um, they start to feel really sad. And then the other thing is, you know, perfectionists tend not to, tend to be very bright and they tend to have a lot of cognitive power. And they can get into a style known as rumination where they just worry and worry and worry and think and think and think and pick at emotional wounds. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we know from the research is if a person's really prone to rumination, where they just worry and worry about things or, you know, kind of get a locked-in focus on something that's gone wrong, if they have that style and then something does go wrong, like they actually do have a real, like, you know, significantly negative life event, they're very prone to depression mm-hmm. because the way they cope actually seems to exacerbate the situation. Mm-hmm. So it could be a lot of reasons. Those are three I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like sometimes when we talk about for perfectionists, there's, you know, for high school students, there's always this kind of academic side, how I just want to do better in classes. But there's also a sense of perfectionism in aesthetics or in, you know, social life or in, you know, we're making a lot of to-do lists and just the general feeling of that I am in control of my life and 
that's different from you know just getting an A plus in a class or getting doing well in an essay. You know that is just kind of a feeling for your general life, right? That's a yeah. different like approach. And, yeah, and I think it's kind of live within a balance. So one of the ways we evaluate things, we have a measure called locus of control, right?、Mm-hmm. And it's and we ask people questions to get a sense of. But basically, as you describe, like where do they think the power in their life sits? Like, is it stuff just happens to them, or can they make things happen? And people tend to do a lot better in life if they feel they've got a pretty decent sense of control. Like, if their locus of control largely sits with them.、Mm-hmm. So, you know, any psychologist will tell you, like, we would really like to see people feeling like, okay, what do I want out of my social life, and what do I want out of my fitness life, and、mm-hmm. what do you know, like, we want them to feel like they've got some say. Yeah. I think that it has to then though exist in a happy balance with a sense of, but sometimes there will be curveballs, or sometimes there will be things that don't, you know, shake out the way you hope they would, and we have to make room for that too, and have a tolerance for that too.、Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's an interesting. I think the happiest people are probably working in some space where they both. You know, try to have a lot of say about how things happen or where things go,、mm-hmm. and they also have a high tolerance for, you know, the unexpected or、um, for letting things go when、mm-hmm. they don't go well. Yeah, I really like the idea of tolerance that you just brought up. Like, I would say, like for generally for perfectionists, we have a really low tolerance for. You know ourselves, or even for the people around us, or for any of the unexpected things that comes up. You know, like having that kind of tolerance and being more flexible when changes happen is, I think, is really important for a perfectionist to deal with the stress and the anxiety. That you should always be prepared if something doesn't go well as you expected. Like, how do you deal with that? Is that just gonna Just crush you, or you're you're like, oh yeah, I'm ready for this change. Even if that happened, I have a plan B, or I need to think outside of outside of the box right now to deal with this problem instead of just、um, thinking about, oh, why didn't things go in my expected way? You know, why am I not in control of the things anymore? Yeah, and I think honestly, one of the things that helps is life experience, and I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, like. You know, I mean, you guys have had a pretty horrendous adolescence with the pandemic,、mm-hmm. but it's been so long in some ways that it's become like atmospheric and less, you know, kind of less engaging. I think.、Um, but you know, I will say that as I aged, I became more aware of like tragedies. Like I had friends、mm-hmm. who died in accidents, or、mm-hmm. you know, you know, when you're in your forties, like you know, like it just just starts to happen that people have unexpected heart attacks and things like that, and you know them and you're close to them. And what it does, it's horrible. It also usefully resets your yardstick for what constitutes a crisis.、Mm-hmm. And so, you know, pandemic aside, you know, I hope you've had a life, and you know, I think I, I would want for a young person to have a life, but they haven't had to deal with a lot of really big, you know, dramatic and horrendous events. But they come around in life, and when they do. They're really double-edged because they're totally miserable. They are awful, awful. We would never want them. And yet, everyone who can find their way through them does tend to report after the fact. Like you get a lot more relaxed about other stuff.、Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, some of this will just happen, you know, in ways that are painful, but also are not entirely without, you know, I don't want to say benefits, but, you know, without a side to them that can be, can reduce overall anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, do you believe that there's a concept called procrastinate perfectionist? You know, when someone is a perfectionist, but the person still procrastinates a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I think absolutely people can do that because they're, I mean, they really, they get themselves in the corner because they're like, until I can do this exactly the way I want to do it, I can't face it. And so then, of course, yeah. But, but you know, the, the best solution is just to start. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I will sometimes have you know, these huge projects and I'm like, I don't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why don't I just set a timer for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. see what I can do in that time? You know, I mean, it's, and that's often how I have been trying to, you know, maintain motivation, especially with big projects or daunting projects, mm-hmm. is to move my attention away from the idea of like, the goal here is to, you know, write a whole section of a book, or the goal here is to write a column in a day. And, and have the goals be things like, my goal is to work for five 20-minute increments, mm-hmm. you know, before lunch. And then I can feel good about that goal because I can achieve it. And then what's kind of amazing is if you do that, you actually also get a lot done. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it has its, it has its um, it, it, you know, it's a hack that I find very helpful. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes when I'm, you know, writing something big, like a research paper, I just... I will spend hours just writing the first line because I just feel like it's not good enough to start the whole thing. You know, people always say introduction is the most important thing. It's the first thing that your audience reads, so it has to be really good. And sometimes I just I just can't start it because I don't know how good it is. But I would say, like, just as you said, um, the best advice would just be just, just start writing it, and if it's not good enough, you can always come back after you write the whole thing to just edit it instead of just you know just wasting all the time on that first line and sometimes when you don't want to start with your introduction when you know you're gonna what you're gonna write about it's sometimes it's good to start with you know your body paragraph just start from the middle and then jump back to the start if that works for you yeah and often we work out our thinking while we're writing Mm -hmm. so we may not know what we're things about till it's done mm-hmm. and then we can write the intro like i'm yeah. actually working on a book where now that i finished drafting the book i can go back and change all the headings because i yeah. know what i ended up saying mm-hmm. yeah because it's i couldn't have known it yeah um, before the other thing i have learned working across large projects is if i'm stuck on something i'll write the words start here in that part of the manuscript mm-hmm. and then i'll go work on some other part of the manuscript where i know what i'm doing and then before I leave the day or the next day when I'm starting, I'll search all the start here's and then I'll know what to do. But mm-hmm. if I'd st- if I'd stare stared at it, I would have just wasted time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just start with, you know, like whatever idea you have right now, and just start writing. And you don't you don't have to like worry too much about, you know, getting everything perfect for the first time because you always have chance to go back and edit it if you think it's not good enough. You know. Yep, and your thinking will develop, and your thinking will also happen without you even being conscious that you're thinking about it. Like you'll sort yeah. it out without even realizing you're sorting it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you can give 
you know, perfectionist some advice to walk away today, what what will be some coping mechanism that you would suggest, especially for high school students to deal with perfectionism and the depression or anxiety that people get resulted from them? Okay, I just thought of this on the spot, so it may come out and may refine it over time. Yeah. But like, think of, think of the ability to be a perfectionist as like a superpower. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually great to know mm-hmm. how to work that well and work that hard and really do incredible work. But like, superheroes don't use their superpower all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you know, Spider-Man does not use his webs to get from place to place to place to place. You know, all the time. Like, he walks a lot. Yeah. He busts it out when he needs it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I would want perfectionists to think about it. Like, this is a great power to have that kind of discipline. Like, that's very rare, really. But, you know, you want to use it when you need it. Because mm-hmm. it causes more trouble than it's worth if you're using it for everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say sometimes I feel, you know, I, I am appreciate that I have this kind of superpower that can push me through academics or other things I'm doing that I have this work ethic that I actually care about the work that I'm doing. So I, I'm actually pretty appreciative of that. But just as you said, it's really important to know how to handle, how to use this superpower when it's appropriate like you don't have to like you don't have to use the superpower for everything you know because if you use it for everything you do in life because you won't you won't get perfect for everything and if you use that mentality all the time then you know you are gonna burn out and don't just don't do well in a lot of things in life use it with care it's a great power yeah yeah okay Thank you so much for your time. It's such a great conversation with you today, Dr. Demore. Yeah, great interview. You're terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of Bubble Storia. You can find a link for submissions in the bio. And you are welcome to submit any personal stories about your experience or questions about perfectionism and self-induced pressure. And we will share these anonymous submissions in a separate episode. Next episode, we will talk about friendships. I will see you next time. Bye.